0: In a
1: party but she was looking for.. Hey, this is Steve Bolton. You are here on my turning point where this week, I am so honored to be joined by Brandon Flowers and Ronnie Vanucci of the Killers to talk about their brilliant new album pressure machine. Really interesting conversation talking about their literary roots, going back in time to Nafi, Utah, how COVID allowed them to change their sound a bit, live plans for the album, You too, Bruce Springsteen, so much more. Really informative and fun conversation, so hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good, man. You know, it's so funny, I was just thinking about how this shit is so weird, because, you know, the last time we met was at the Sunset Marquee. It was actually in person, so now, of course, you know. We have this new world. It's funny. I just did an hour with Jackson Brown, right? We were both fully vaccinated. It never, ever, ever came up the possibility of actually meeting in person. It was just never discussed.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier, though too. I mean, you, you probably don't have pants on right now, and neither do we. <laughs> it's just the ease of moving from room, you know, you don't have to I mean, you got a bowl of cereal there. It's just convenient. I actually I actually like it. I
1: don't mind it. Either. Oh, dude, I, I do too because I live in Long Beach, so not having to drive to L.A. is yeah. freaking awesome. I know. I'm wearing actually workout shorts because I did workout, so I am wearing workout shorts. But it's, uh, <laughs> So where are you guys right now?
2: Provo. We're Provo, Utah at a great, uh, great studio at a friend of ours uh, called June Audio. We,
1: we've done some things here before, and it's, an, it's a nice meeting point. All right. Uh, so many things I want to talk with you guys about. First of all, the album is fucking amazing. It is absolutely incredible. Thanks. So we're going to come on to that in one second. But, you know, this is so funny. I, I think sometimes, too, I don't know about you guys, when everything just gets too heavy, you kind of just want to lighten the mood for a second. And I was looking up the name of the track that you guys did with Bruce, who's my favorite artist of all time, by the way. And the second thing that comes up is what is Bruce Springsteen's net worth? And I was just laughing at the absurdity of the internet. Last night, I was, my friend and I were Googling something. I think it was COVID related about like, can people get it a second time after vaccination or something? right? Yeah. But the first thing that popped up was, can people with tattoos get to heaven? That was literally the first thing that popped up in Google search after can people. So let's start with what's the weirdest shit you've seen pop up in Google search. I,
0: ha- I had something like that today. Hold on a second.
1: Yeah.
0: It it's- was really weird. Hold on. It's funny that you say that there's this quote okay i don't know if we want this printed or not so there's this quote in a flannery o'connor in a flannery o'connor book about uh, that the misfit is like challenging this family and he's about to shoot the grandma and he talks about christ and he says like what if he didn't raise the dead and i was trying to find it because i have a little bit of a reference to it in our song cody and so i typed what if he and the answer was some crazy thing about like, what if he didn't ejaculate inside me was the, was what, what the main thing was.
2: <laughs> so this is, so is that like a, like an aggregate of what people are, are searching for is what. Yeah. If you, is it timely? Is it it's,
0: like, yeah, it's based? what it's what it's like, or the most things.
2: Wow. And what are yeah. you doing here right now? There's some, you know, there's some girls that didn't have a, uh, Obviously, that didn't have the proper sexual education. What if he didn't? Well, apparently,
1: with oh, here it book, is. There's a lot of people who got a lot of guilt, too.
2: Where yeah. is
0: it? Can you see it? It's what if he didn't ejaculate in me? That's the main text. That's <laughs> the main one. Did? Well, click on
2: it. What's it say?
0: <laughs> it's girls that want to know if they can get pregnant if he, um, it's from pre common and stuff.
2: Yes, <laughs> very difficult. Okay, okay. So here
0: we go. sorry. Here we go. Anyway, it is no, that's all
1: right. That's it. It's again, it's like I say, sometimes, you know. I mean, here in L.A., you know, shit is absolutely crazy with COVID again. And I think sometimes you just want to lighten the mood, you know. And I'm yeah, assuming you guys, limits. by the way, never ask Bruce what his net worth is.
0: Uh, no. <sighs> what is it? What does it say on the Internet?
1: <laughs> well, according to the Internet, it's 500 million. But, you know, as a writer for Forbes, I'm going to tell you that's probably not even close.
0: Damn, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. But, you know, I love the fact that, by the way, that you referenced Flannery O'Connor. Because where I wanted to start with this... I'm sure you've been asked 8,627 times about the <laughs> musical references on this album. And it's such a literary album. I mean, for you guys, was there a, a sort of turning point starting moment where you realized, and you know, it's also fascinating because I've done so many interviews during COVID and it messed with artists minds in good ways and bad ways. <laughs> like, you know, you have time to think about shit that you've never thought about because you haven't had downtime. So, was there sort of a, a turning point moment or song that took you back to Nephi, Utah?
0: Yeah, it was. It's actually a song that's not on the record. It's a song called "Boy," and I was <laughs> experimenting with how I felt, and I felt sort of isolated and, and like an outcast in this little town when I was 14 years old, 15 years old, and then it was funny. I just I found it difficult to leave. Once I went there mentally, and then all of the songs started becoming about that place. And it wasn't until later that we really fully committed to that idea. And I started thinking of of some of my favorite books. Um, So something like the Pastures of Heaven from Steinbeck where it's all these short stories, but they're all in the same valley. Or Sherwood Anderson has one that's called Winesburg, Ohio, and it's all these different short stories, and they're all in Winesburg. And it was like, let's, what if there was an album like that? And, and that's where, where it started.
1: Well, I think obviously the subject matter as well lends itself to how different musically it is. And I love sort of the subtlety of some of the songs. And I mean, Ronnie, for you, how much fun was it to get to sort of move into this twang? And, you know, occasionally all of a sudden now... You know, when you have this sort of Steinbeck subject matter, it lends itself to a little bit of Hank Williams sound, stuff that you guys wouldn't have done before.
2: I, I, I'm, I'm totally uh, 100% into it. Um, in fact, I just, it's funny, Steinbeck just keeps coming. I just finished Travels with Charlie uh, yesterday. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's topical on, on my mind. Uh, I love I love shit like that. I love a focused idea. I also love doing things differently. Um it's it's fun for us. We were in you found ourselves in this very unique situation along with everyone else on planet Earth and um just used our time and opportunity and you know our our you know our, our bubble as best we could in the most productive way. And as he was going down a, a path. I remember getting a text from him. He said it's just um, it's a little, it's a little weird or something like that, but, but could you just, would you help me f- help follow me down on this one? I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and you know, I'm familiar with Nephi, Utah, and we pass it every time we drive from, from Vegas to Utah or from California sometimes. Um, uh, I, I know about it. I was somewhat familiar. I didn't live there, but So I was down to have this, like, focused um, uh, musical interpretation of of this town and these stories. Well,
1: it's so interesting for you because that makes it a really good litmus test for you as well, Brandon, because, look, obviously, very few people probably have lived in Nephi, Utah. So if Ronnie can't relate to it, then it's like, okay, well, maybe this is a little too, you know, sort of isolationist. But it's like, again, I think that, you know, as you're telling these stories, obviously, whether it's a great writer, you know, be it a Steinbeck or Sherwood Anderson, or whether it's a Springsteen or a Tom Waits or, you know, a great musical storyteller, they have to take you into a place that you can identify with, whether you've ever been there or not. So was there a moment for you guys early on where you realized that, okay, because look. You can have a concept too, but obviously this is so personal to you because you grew up there. So was there sort of a moment early on where you realized that, hey, this really was working and that this was an album that, you know, even if you're living in Indonesia and you've never heard of Nephi, Utah, mm-hmm. you still can identify with the feelings of isolation, the feelings of loneliness and the feelings of outcast and just the feelings of not fitting in that are expressed in these songs. I think so.
0: I think terrible th- a terrible thing was was, was one of those moments for sure. Cause it was, just, it's our most austere, our most stripped back song that we've ever done. And, and there were, and it was still like resonating, you know, it's not your typical, we've grown into this, you know, stadium band and, and, and arenas and, and there's this loudness that's expected. So, it, it felt we, you know I was I had a little bit of trepidation going that quiet and that small, but then there was the power in it and we could feel it and, the, and it was an exciting moment to know that, that we could do this and that we can try to see this idea through.
1: But that's I think,
0: interesting yeah. oh, no, I do think I think a lot of people it's can identify with that feeling like an outcast and, you know and so uh, and feeling isolated. And, and so it doesn't matter, like you said, if you're in Indonesia or not. And then the the other thing which you guys were talking about was the instrumentation really helped, helps bring you into that place. And that was where the fiddle and the harmonica and the pedal steel really, I think help, uh, help kind of like lure you into the town. Occidental music.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because what you just said about, you know, how it's the most stripped down song, but it still has power. Tom Morello and I have talked about that a lot, right? When he did Night Watchman, and he comes from one of the loudest freaking bands in the history of the world. And then you go up with an acoustic guitar. And to me, the greatest punk album of all time is John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band. Because even though it's acoustic, dude, you don't find anything that hits harder than that record. So it's interesting for you guys, talk about as you started going into Pressure Machine, realizing the sort of the power of the... And I think it's also something, look, for every artist, as you get older, you want to try different things. And you also realize all of a sudden... That, oh, my God, it doesn't need to be, you know, in spinal tap turns, termed up to 11, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, that's been on our radar for a long time. We've always wanted to show restraint. It's difficult for us <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and, but, you know, we, we really felt like if, if not the getting by and terrible thing and desperate things. And oh, a pressure machine, the song itself, really, you know, we, we were able to do... To do something that we haven't been able to do, and yeah, and, and I think as horrible as COVID has been, it that was one of the, the the silver linings for us was being able to explore this new territory. And it's always been a part of us. It's just we haven't found the right outlet yet, and so mm-hmm. we're really happy with it.
2: It's like that. It's like that point of being down, uh, being on the edge of a really slippery, tall slide that you're a little your kid and you don't want to go down and then somebody, the foot of COVID, kicks you down the slide <laughs> if you wanted to go down.
1: All right, so now that you've gone down the slide, you know, this is interesting too because you've already announced a show here uh, in LA at Bank of California Stadium. You know, I mean, what are the ideas for being able to, to merge these songs in? I feel like this is an album that, you know, and I'll go back to Springsteen because, you know, I got to see him at the Turn on Ghost of Tom Joad. Will mm-hmm. we see the stripped-down killer shows that, like, You know the Ace Theater or something like that.
2: I think we have to. I think we have to. You know, we've been doing a couple hours of Zoom interviews so far, and everybody brings that up. Like, how are you going to weave this vibe into the bombast that is a killer show? You know, we're we're still trying to figure that out. But I think at some point we have to do you know a a Wiltern or a Fonda or something like that where we go in and we and we just do the the album top to bottom with with a steel with a pedal player and 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 strings and horns and that type of thing uh being able to sort of architect the the arc the the arc uh the emotional arc of a big-ass show and stick these songs in there could also be a fun task you know whether build a small little stage somewhere where we do a few of these songs. or something. We're still working it out.
1: Well, it's interesting then for you guys, when you think of how you would incorporate it, since people have been asking you all morning, it's are there artists that you look at that are sort of role models for being able to do that? And I think of you too, also, you know, they do a good job of, you know, they'll do like a little, uh, you know, sort of a circle stage in the middle mm-hmm. of playing Dodger stadium or the Rose bowl or something and mm-hmm. do a small set. So are there artists for you that sort of, um, you appreciate for the way that they've been able to merge the two worlds together.
2: Yeah. That's, that is the, that is how you skin the cat. We we're trying to figure that out. You two is a big one for us and how they're able to do that is, is astonishing. It's, it's really cool to see. And um, hopefully we can do something like that someday.
1: That also brings up another interesting question for both you guys. You know, as you start to do this too, and now that you've explored this different sound and the pedal steel and, you know, gone back into sort of the country, you know, twang and everything, you know, another thing too is, you know, and also this comes out of COVID as well is, look, like Jackson Brown and I were talking about, you know, you might have songs that you haven't played in a while that you miss and you realize that you, as he put, you relearn them. So are there songs for you guys that you also now think about like, all right, it'd be cool as shit to just do something totally different with, you know, fill in the song. You know, the way that Eric Clapton, you know, who's now an anti-vaxxer, so no longer a <laughs> fan, but, you know, I do love Eric Clapton. But, you know, I think the way that he redid Layla is probably still like the benchmark oh, okay. for taking a classic song and just, you know, totally redoing it. Because as he put it, he's like, we're going to have to do it for the rest of our lives. So clearly you guys are going to have to do When I Was Young, Mr. Brightside, you know, some of these songs. So are there any songs from the catalog that you're just like, you know what, dude? <laughs> we're going to take it. We're going to throw a pedal steel in there or we're going to uh, do an acoustic or we're going to do a Samba version or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. We, we started playing with that back in 2010. I think we did like, um, our first time playing human at Abbey Road. Oh, it was different. Yeah. We, st- we, you know, human for us, or at least for me, it was always sort of a campfire song just in, in disco clothes, you know? Um, <sighs> And so we did it like traveling, Willbury. Yeah, we did. it. We, so we did it in more of a yeah, Willberries or a campfire style thing. And and we st- we still sort of play around with that. We d- we've done Brightside a few different ways during the you know the stay at home order. We we had to do some some online shit, and I remember us doing Brightside a couple different ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we sort of uh, adapt and willing to try some things out, and probably do the, the same for. Or um, our, our, our smaller sounding songs, we can tr- you know, jump them up as well.
1: Damn. But I love the fact that you guys just reference Traveling Wilburys because that's not a name that comes up at all. No. So now, I've it's never asked updated. this question, but all right, who would be in your version of the Traveling Wilburys 2022? Oh, boy. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, the other one is the
0: Highwaymen. The Highwaymen mm-hmm. and both are like, those are the two best supergroups. Yeah. I don't know. Who would be the, the Who would be the traveling Wilburys of that? Is like heavy hitters.
1: Are there? I don't know if there are anybody if there anybody's heavy enough to even. It'd be like, <laughs> well, for you guys, the band that you would want to put together your supergroup, you know. Yeah.
2: yeah. Man, it would be it would be like you know, it would have to be like people who are who are a bit more established. I think you know, it would have to be like Eddie Vedder and, and yeah. you know, Dave Grohl. And those, those, that's sort of the next people in line. Yeah, Anybody in our sort of lineage is we still got 20 years to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: interesting. You say that though. It's funny. And I I talk about this with bands all the time, you know, like, you know, it's interesting. You say you still got 20 years to go yet. You already have anthems. You've already headlined stadiums. I mean, so does there become a point where you feel like, all right, like, (sighs) And I think for every artist, like every artist is a perfectionist, right? So every artist is never satisfied. And that's the key is to like, I remember talking about it with Don Henley once and I asked him about having two of the three biggest selling albums of all time. And he's like, I never think about that because that's when it really screws with your head. So, but for you guys, have there been those moments where you can look back and say, all right, we're getting closer to where we want to go. And by the way, this can also tie in very artistically with what you accomplished on pressure machine, like where you start to find your voice and say like, okay, cool this is who we want to be going forward because we can incorporate these two sounds together.
2: I think a glance to look back is okay, but I think looking back and getting your head out of the game is a bit like being in a fight and thinking about, you know, to dinner with your wife as you're in the ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? it <laughs> can't do that yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, we're finding, you yeah, know, we find it, um, I don't know if if everybody yeah I don't know you talk to more artists than we do but it's it just seems like it seems like Ronnie said a little bit risky and and you see the people that get too comfortable and and how their how their music suffers and how and and so we're we're definitely cautious of that and and we still have quite a bit of fire in our bellies.
1: Well, it's interesting too. Then, I mean, this is a perfect album to sort of tie into that for you guys as you have this opportunity. And, you know, that's another thing that came about, right. Is, you know, typically there's not time, as you say, that's a blessing of COVID. And I mean, whether I was talking with, you know, David Getta, who was doing, you know, he's like, Oh shit, this is the first summer vacation I've had with my kids in 12 years or Lucas Nelson talking about having dinner, you know, with Willie and mom for four and a half months, COVID changed everybody's lifestyle. So for you guys, Do you feel like now that you have this opportunity to do this for pressure machine, like, is there sort of a moment in there that you're like, okay, cool. Looking forward. I guess that, you know, look, as an artist, you're always using things as building blocks and where you want to go. So are there particular moments or sounds or, or lyrics on this record that you're like, okay, this is a departure for us, but we're going to continue to use this going forward.
2: Oh yeah. 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 I mean, definitely. Every record I think we find, um, you know, little ledges of rock that we can keep climbing to get to the top of our own mountain. You know what I mean? Um, I, I I even see it, you know, sort of a bit like an outsider looking in, but just seeing Brandon and, and his his uh, progress lyrically and, and thoughtful, how thoughtful he's become and stuff. And, and that's not something that, you know, he's not going to write somebody told me again, you know what I mean? He's gotten to a, a part of a, a place that's much, much higher now and it's not like he's going to go down the mountain, you know? And I think we, we uh, you could say that about every part of, of uh, this machine that we call the killers. I think we sort of um, hopefully will keep ascending and, 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 and finding
1: um, new things about ourselves along the way. Well, this is interesting too, right? Because I haven't asked, I, you know, I haven't asked specifically about the writing, but. Look, I mean, good writing is subconscious. It dictates itself and then you go back and you look at it and you're like, oh shit, I didn't even know I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. So when you go through this record, are there things that emerge that you're like, I didn't know that I even remembered that from being 14 years old in Nephi or 16 or whatever. Were there things that emerged that really surprised you?
0: Yeah, the one thing the the one thing that keeps coming back to me is this grief that I had for for these for a couple um that, that got hit by a train there were seniors when I was in eighth grade and I just of course if you brought it up I'd remember it but until I like until I was gonna put my thoughts and my memories of it to a song I didn't realize how emotional and and how much I hadn't dealt with it you know for 25 years it's just been walking around it with me you know and and when I really opened up and sang it, it I' just if it was this like flood of emotion and I didn't, I just couldn't believe that it was there. You know, I, I, barely knew these kids and, but it just, it left a mark on the town and, and it left a mark on me.
2: Like regressive hypnosis. It's
0: Crazy.
1: That's so interesting. I mean, when you look at it, I'm not trying to turn this into a therapy session, but it's just fascinating to me. I mean, it, like, was it just your first experience with death or it, can you look back on it now and understand why it had this yeah. deep impact on you?
0: because people we moved to that town to escape you know crime and you know and and you think that it's going to be you know it's everything is squeaky clean and it's not supposed to happen (laughs) this kind of thing and you know the guy was she was a beautiful girl and he was on the football team and and they had a a a baby and and it it was just it, it just shook the town and and so i had and his you know the 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 boy's sister was in my, my grade and, and watching her deal with this. And, and so it was just a, uh, it just yeah, it really stayed with me.
1: Interesting. So for you guys, we'll, we'll wrap up on this because I don't know how we're doing on time, but I, um, I think we only have a couple minutes left, but for each of you, right, we talked about playing this album start to finish, right? Are there one or two songs? Because the other thing too is right. It has the sound. You can change it. You can evolve it. Whether you bring the pedal steel on and all this, you know, and obviously Whether you're incorporating songs into the big stadium show or doing, you know, the Wiltern or the Fonda, there are songs that you're going to be able to change and expand live. And also, of course, when an audience hears them, it totally changes them. So are there songs from this record for each of you, like one or two that you're most excited to do live and to see how they evolve and change and what an audience brings to them?
2: I feel
0: like in the car outside, it just has a heat to it, um, and and that could I feel like it could just sit nicely in a live set, quiet town, also. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I keep thinking about like taking like ever because everybody brings this up uh, about doing a, a show. Yeah, of just a complete record about like creating this really small sort of universe, um, bringing the people in to actually do the. The the interstitials. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Have them come on tour with us too. The townspeople find them and have them, you know, re uh, re narrate their their parts. Be fun. Cool. Sorry, that was was that out loud? Sorry, man. All
1: right. Yeah, it does actually prompt another interesting question. So what kind of response have you gotten from people who live in Nephi, Utah now now that you've started talking about this and doing press? I mean, yeah. is, you
0: know. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a, it's it's wild because I know there's there they aren't sure what to think or what angle we're, you know, we're approaching the album because it, it do come from a lot of love for the town, but I also am, you know, know what it was like to be an outsider in the town and there's a lot of a lot, a lot of uh, different emotion Kind of running through the record, so I think they're they're. I think it's mo. I think they're going to like it.
2: Yeah, I think it's just it's some it's unprecedented. Who you know? Here's a band writing about a, a little town in Utah. <laughs> as a, we were just there, and it and, it, and it's you know it's a, it's a tight group of uh people, and they're happy people. It's 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 a really. You know, but and it's their town, it's very, it's, it's like its own little universe. And um, uh, I hope that people will, will realize that, uh, like any place, it's, it's got dynamics, you know, there's peaks and valleys, right?
0: And the right,
1: so last question because I'm sure Jen, we've got to wrap up, but this is interesting to me, right? As I'm thinking about this, look, there is an incredible lineage of great art about Outcasts. Whether, and I'm not just thinking music, actually, it's funny, I can't even think of the right song right now. But whether you go back from, you know, um, Rebel Without a Cause and Catch in the Rye to the film Stand by Me, so for each of you, what is the greatest sort of work of art of, of alienated youth?
0: Alienated youth. Uh. There's a. a pro, there's a. I think probably I grew up with on the Smiths, so Morrissey was kind of. Uh, a virtuoso at that, <laughs> writing about alienation. <laughs> uh, so I would think of songs like uh, "Half a Person." There's a song called "Half a Person" by the Smiths that that pretty much encaps- encapsulates it. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, Who else? Yeah, needed you.
1: or outcast or whatever it is. You know, however you want to describe it.
0: Fucking Goonies! Yeah, (laughs) Goonies. My kids.
1: Yeah, it's I grew where I
2: grew up. I was sort of the weirdo in the school. I came in. I I came from. I left Las Vegas for two years, um, from '86 to '88, and when I came back, I was in junior high school, and those are crazy years. And I was skateboarding and listening to punk music, and. I was, I was different. I got beat up every day and it was, it it was crazy. So I remember sort of being a bit of an outcast and then people found out I played drums and, you know, playing music and stuff. And I, I became, um, still an outcast, but I wasn't getting beat up as much. Yeah. It reminds me of my youth a little bit talking about that.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is funny. I think everybody goes through that experience. Look, anybody who's different at all goes through that experience.
2: Yeah. Is that true?
1: <laughs> well, as someone who, as you said, talks to a shit ton of artists. And by the way, just for clarification, not trying to name drop at all. I just talk to people who are way smarter and way more interesting than me. So that's why I quote that because they know a shit ton more than I do.
2: Yeah, I know. I think that's good.
1: That's good. Cool. I know we got to wrap up. What do you guys want to add? I did not ask you about
2: not so much that's good you're great you're
1: great thanks for taking the time
2: we love doing interviews with you so i don't know
1: well the the feeling is definitely mutual so yeah always a pleasure anytime you know like i said it's a great record too man i really love it and i can't wait till you guys do it start to finish in a small venue
0: yeah we'll go to long beach (laughs)
1: long beach is awesome by the way yes where would you do it i love the lbc
0: my mom was born in Long Beach in 1947. Oh. Uh, let's see. Where, I, we don't, I don't know any venues in Long Beach. You have to tell us the theater.
1: Well, if you did it at Alex's Bar, it would be a little... Uh, I did see uh, both Sarah McLaughlin and Melissa Etheridge at uh, Long Beach Terrace Theater.
0: Sarah McLaughlin is, the, is so bad. Damn.
1: No, but, she's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really
1: underrated. You know, still, like, those enough. songs hold up so well.
0: Yeah, it's like we forgot about Sarah and Michael no, It's forget. Fucking awesome.
1: Well, I think everybody forgot about her because she's like, "Screw this, I'm done, dude. I'm gonna go have a life and hang out at home, and you know." We saw her a few years back. She came. Um, she came back. Yeah, in uh, Vancouver. In
2: Vancouver. Yeah. So it was nice to see her, and we were just like, we were a little
1: awestruck. She's such a great songwriter. Such a great voice. Oh my god. Except for, however, her songs are now ruined, of course, because every time you see them, you think of fucking sick animals. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I can't deal with that, so, you know. You but deal. I love her as a person. She's awesome. Oh, I know no. we gotta wrap up you guys. This was a pleasure. Thank you guys right. so much. Bye. 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 Yeah. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been listening to My Turning Point with The Killers. Thanks.
0: If you're a parent with cancer, you're probably worried that your child is feeling scared, sad, or alone when all you want is for them to just feel like a kid. Camp Kesem is a free week-long overnight camp for children ages 6 to 18 who have a parent facing cancer and was created for kids like yours to have a joyful and empowering summer. Kids have a blast together enjoying camp activities surrounded by a compassionate community of friends. Register your child for a free life-changing adventure at kesem.org camp.
1: If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football